Well, in the last podcast, I spoke a little bit about my planning for the ride around Australia on a motorbike. And um, so I pretty much covered that. And, and as I've said, I was basically doing this on my own. So uh, that was uh, one of the restrictions. Uh, the other thing was I didn't have a credit card. So a lot of the time I was kind of working out where I was going to be next and making a phone call just to make a reservation or occasionally I just rock up somewhere and um, see what was what. However, as I said um, last time, I left on the 30th of January 1997. That was the uh, departure. And I was heading in a clockwise direction. So I decided to take the um, New England Highway, which is inland. So I had a choice from Brisbane to Sydney to either stay on the coast or go inland. And I thought the inland route would be quite good. And it was, you know, it was great. I had my summer English summer leathers and I, I left early in the morning and off I went I was still getting used to the bike because I hadn't ridden it very much before going which um probably would ideally I would have been really much more familiar with the bike before I left but um off I went and I did about 450 k's on the first day which <laughs> was quite a day so um yeah I remember riding down I, I don't know I, would, I, I was outside of Brisbane I was on the road I'd gone on to New England Highway bear in mind this pre-GPS and I had a little note of where I had to go and every now and again I'd, ha I'd have to stop and just pull it out of my pocket um, so I'd have to memorise my um, my route but I do remember stopping at a cafe and just chatting to somebody and, and it looked the cloud it was sort of clouding up a lot down south and um, somebody was saying yeah there's rain coming well I got absolutely drenched and um, yeah I have to say that was one of the most miserable days and then to make matters worse the road was very potholed, so um, I had to be careful where I was driving because I didn't want to hit a pothole and come off the bike. That meant I'd reduce my speed. It was raining very heavily, and then I had trucks right at my backside. So, um, And I would get out of the way when I could, but a lot of time I couldn't. So it rapidly turned into a very unpleasant drive, a ride. And to make it worse, I um, was absolutely soaked through. So I had English summer leathers on, which are good at, for a light shower something like that but they're not that great under sustained rain and in fact they soak through completely and and the t-shirt i had underneath i remember it was a white t-shirt with something on it it was stained black from my leathers and my boots were full of water because <laughs> everything kind of funnels down sort of crotching down your legs and those are the areas that tend to get really wet and um just to rub salt into the wound on this last day so i was freezing cold i've been riding all day it was getting dark and all I could think about was getting out of my wet clothes, having a shower and then having something to eat. And um, I got to this roundabout and I was staying at a little town called Armadale. And um, I booked into a, uh, you know, a motel. And at this roundabout, there was a, you could turn left, which sort of went into Armadale. And then you carried on down. It was, I think, Pacific Highway, it might have been at that point, I can't remember. Anyway, because I was going from directions in my head, I thought I had to keep going. I wasn't quite sure where I needed to go. So I carried straight on and then realised very quickly I'd bypassed the town and I now needed to, you know, I should have turned left. So I did a U-turn in the road, went back and um, got to the, the roundabout. But unfortunately, I, I, so I got into the right-hand lane, but what I couldn't see because it was all, you know, there's a lot of rain on the road, there was an awful lot of loose gravel in the in the in that lane and as i went to go into the roundabout i lent the bike bike over so if, if you don't know about steering a bike you do a lot of leaning as well as steering and the next thing i knew the bike had just gone and i was sliding along the road 
with the bike on top of me and I had the bike on my left arm and my left leg was sort of taking the weight. And um, yeah, I came to a stop. So fortunately somebody stopped and helped me up, but the bike had received a bit of damage. The frame was damaged. Um, a couple of my indicators had come off. My little license holder had come off. My leathers were all scraped. And uh, this chap helped me get the bike up, but it was, you know, absolutely miserable. I did then quite easily, as it turned out, find the motel, but it was, you know, pretty miserable to finish day one after all this looking forward to doing it with a damaged bike. I was all bruised and cut where I'd come off. And um, anyway, I do remember, you know, I had a shower and then, of course, the little motel didn't have a restaurant. So the guy gave me directions to a restaurant that was uh, um, a few blocks away. So I walked down there. And um, not not in a jacket or anything because my leather jacket was soaking wet. Got down there, had something to eat, and then of course it rained again, so I had to walk back. Couldn't remember my way back, so I got soaked for the second time that day, and um, spent an awful long time in that hotel room um, with the uh, the hairdryer trying to dry everything out, and the hairdryer just kept cutting out because I'd shoved it down the sleeves of my riding jacket and all these kind of things. So it was really, in terms of inauspicious start it didn't get much worse than that and because I wasn't that confident on the bike to be perfectly honest I was just dreading the morning so I had a horrible night got up early they brought me some breakfast and I remember the news being on and they were talking about what was going to be on that evening and I was supposed to be riding in Sydney where I was um, staying with a friend and um, I would just think well what are my options here because my bike's all damaged I'm really shaken by this this experience the previous night it was going to be repeated the same day in terms of rain. I thought, well, what can I do? You know, I can't stay here. Um, you know, I'm sure it's a lovely place to live, but it wasn't quite what my plans were. I couldn't really go back to Brisbane because I knew, you know, I had the same ride the other direction. And I decided to carry on, but I just thought, well, with the, the road conditions, the, the lorries and all the other things that were going on, I just couldn't see how I was possibly going to make, you know, still be alive at the end of the day, frankly, was where my head was. So um, that was how I started my day. And it kind of came down to, though, if I give up, you know, I, although I was really tempted to do that, I'll buy a car or do something. At the end of the day, I carried on because I thought, well, you know, I don't want to look at myself in the mirror when I'm shaving, you know, years from now and look at somebody who quit. So that was kind of what made me make that decision. So anyway, I carried on. I remember getting to Tamworth where they've got a big guitar because, you know, country music centre. And um, I think it there was when it started to rain that day. And I was absolutely soaked again. I do remember stopping at a cafe and thinking, well, you know, I could take my jacket off and warm up, but what's the point? Because I just could have put a cold jacket back on. I walked into the little cafe to get a hot coffee and something. And this chap took one look at me, grabbed a whole stack of serviettes and just gave them to me so I could try and dry myself to some extent. And... Um, that was a good part of the day for me. And then finally, I remember getting towards Newcastle, um, which is north of Sydney. So if you're from England, Newcastle and Cardiff are quite close, which coming from England, they're certainly not in England, um, not by English standards anyway. And uh, anyway, I got onto this, you know, you know the freeway and realised I might actually make it. So I was trying to remember the directions of my friend's place. The sun had come out and was drying off. And um, it was quite a surprise to realise I was still alive. Of course... What I then did, um, I managed to get in the wrong lane getting down towards the Harbour Bridge because I had to go the southern, I was heading for um, Leichhardt, um, and which is sort of over the bridge from the north. And I got in the wrong lane. Um, people were getting really annoyed with me at the, the coin booths because I had to stop, take my 
gloves off to fish out the right coins to pay for the toll and um, yeah people were not <laughs> not very happy with me so um, and then I was trying to find my friend's place and I had a nightmare I managed to drop the bike again so it was all pretty horrendous and then that was on a Friday and I got in the, the following day I just you know I was pretty shaken up all of this and um, went to I'd, I'd actually bent my gear lever as well when I dropped the bike when I pulled over to try and work out where I was in Sydney so I couldn't get it out of first gear and luckily that night I wasn't far from my friends but the following day, day I was riding around to this place and I went into this car dealers and I said well what will you give me for the bikes it's brand new it's got some damage but what will you give me and this guy just really wanted to rip me off and then I got angry and I thought okay screw you so and then I'm sat there thinking well what do I do now and this chap had been sitting uh listening and he was you know to me an older guy and you know very weathered because people in Australia who are in the sun a lot have almost leather skin some of them and he came over and we started chatting and he was just really good and exactly what I needed at that point and he you know pulled on my gear lever and managed to straighten it out so that I could actually use something other than first gear and then he tidied it up a bit and he was giving me all this and it was just what I needed so I then went back to my friend's place I was trying to I, I bought some new indicators I, I bought a new holder for my license and all the rest of it and tidied the bike up but it was exactly what I needed but I must say from that point for at least two months I was really frightened at the thought of getting back on that bike and it was constantly there and I stayed with my friend um, a couple of days stayed with her and then I had to transfer across to a hotel and that whole day I was going sort of late afternoon evening to just get across Sydney and get to this place but I was just tense the whole day and, and absolutely terrified frankly of getting back on the bike and having to negotiate Sydney again and um, it re really was like that with me for a lot of the the journey um, so that was one of the things I just had to deal with and overcome however that you know th there you go and as I said in the first part I'd only passed my motorcycle test six months or so earlier so I was not an experienced rider and in fact the guy who taught me Russ he said to me later now he used to um, he worked for, he was with the police he was a police motorcyclist he used to um, uh, I think he used to assess mo police motorcyclists very very experienced guy and he said to me afterwards he would never have attempted the ride I did so it just shows you you know you know falls rush in perhaps so anyway that was one of the stories and um th there were many of them and um I'll just share a couple because I, I really wanted to keep this to about 20 minutes and I've already used up more than half of that um what, what were some of the really cool places um one of them was in um, Western Australia I do remember yeah, so it's way out in the outback and basically over there um you, so this was much later in the trip because I was going sort of clockwise round and I had been riding all morning it had been really hot and um, I was very sweaty on, on the bike and um, I you know checked into this this roadhouse which was basically it's like a little service station but the most basic possible service station you can think of and then out back it had these sort of metal rooms you could sit in it they were kind of like um, the, the containers, ocean containers, but with divided up into little rooms. So it had a window at the back, a door in the front. There was a metal bed, a metal table, and a metal chair, and that was it in the room. Lots of insects going through it, spiders and stuff. And um, there was a, a, a 
block for toilets and another one with a few showers in. So I went around to use the toilet. I flipped the toilet lid up and something came flying out of the toilet at me and I nearly had a heart attack. And it was a frog and I found that they had these little white frogs. And what they would do, because this, this is really dry country, I mean, you, you really have to be careful. And um, I'll tell you another story in a moment. But these little frogs love living under the rim of the toilet because there's water there, it's cool. And what I used to do in those places after that was I'd, when I'd come to the, I'd lift the lid up slowly for a start and then I would flush the toilet and often you would see little legs hanging down. And uh, so I was joking and let some people home. I said, you know, they, they are a bit of a nuisance, particularly when you're sitting on the toilet doing the crossword because, you know, it's really distracting. They keep jumping up and hitting your cheeks. But uh, anyway, that was a story. So um, that was that was one of the cool things about being out there. Um, I've forgotten what I was, I was going to share another story, which I've now completely forgotten, of course. Um, other thing, oh, I know what it was. I was in, um, again, in northern um, Western Australia. I think it was near Fitzroy Crossing, which is a little country town. And what you find in a lot of these places, they, they, they have Aboriginal reserves or Aboriginal kind of communities not far away. And one of the sad things about the Aborigines is that they get very um, addicted to alcohol very easily. And... Um, Although, and I've seen Aborigines being sort of dragged away from the front of, you know, from outside a bar in the street, sort of first thing in the morning. And in fact, even when I was living in Cairns, um, it, it, later that year, I lived there and I'd go out early to go to work where I was working. I'd see them. Cairns was a bit rougher, I think, back then than it is now. Um, but yeah, the, the Aborigines would be close. And I was never quite sure, but they were always really friendly and lovely people to me. So I never had a problem. And I must say, though, that in that particular place, I was nervous about my motorbike getting stolen because I had to leave it outside. And I did have a disc lock on it, which is just a padlock you put on the front disc. Um, but I was really tempted to try and wheel it into the room if I could have got it in, but I couldn't. So that was that. But it was all good. But I was chatting to these guys and it was lovely, you know, and I had a lovely evening with them. The staff at the hotel, we were just having a meal. And then I went back to my room and there were just loads of little insects and lizards and stuff in the room. And um, I dragged the steel bed away from the wall because I wanted to minimise the number of living creatures inside my bed and ideally keep it to one. Um, anyway, I was lying there in bed in the dark and something bit my face and I immediately slapped it, put the light on and of course all I could see now were little legs which it looked like it had been a spider. And then, of course, Australia's full of poisonous things. So I'm thinking, oh, what do I do? Because if I run round to these guys and say, oh, I've been bitten, I've been bitten, and it's nothing, you know, I'm the pom. They're going to take the fun out, you know, make fun of me and all of this. So I thought, okay, I'm going to lie here. But if I start feeling stiff, <laughs> then I go. So um, that was my criteria when I got bit by something. If um, if I was feeling stiff after a little while, um, I uh, I would call for help. Anyway, all was good. Um, I didn't die. <laughs> And I was fine in the morning and it was all, all good. So there were quite a lot of places um, like that. When you start getting into the more remote country areas, they're absolutely worth a look. I mean, bearing in mind, this is almost 25 years ago now. I mean, it's a long, a long time past. I'm sure a lot of them have changed. I know a lot of the mining towns I was in um, further north have changed significantly. And Kununara and Dampier, I remember from doing my... Um, going out and doing well research back in 93 and then I revisited in 97 on the bike and they were still pretty much they had been except they weren't closed towns. Um, I think it was um, Kununara was a closed town 
when I first went to that area, but then it, because it was just for the mining people. But when I stayed there on the motorbike, they'd opened it up, but it was sort of dorm type. It, it, they, they were rooms, but the air conditioning was set for the block and it was really cold. And, um, I didn't like that because the room was quite cold, but when I walked outside, it was like 35 plus. It was really hot. So, um, yeah, that, that was that one. I think what I'll do is tell one more story and then maybe do a third part because as you can imagine, there are quite a lot of stories, um, going around Australia. So, um, what else? I mean, at that time, um, so I, I, as I say, I sort of went down from Brisbane to Sydney to Melbourne and then round to, um, Adelaide. I, I, I like Adelaide. I mean, I've been back a number of times since then, but it was, it was sort of nice staying there. And, I then went to, as I say, going across Nullarbor, that was interesting because it's this huge, you've actually got a really long um, straight stretch of road, which I think, I think is around 75 miles, if I'm right. I might have got that wrong though. And um, it, it, it's, and it's just straight. You know, I think there might be a roadhouse on it. I can't remember now, but I was, I was sort of staying in roadhouses where I could. And the other thing I would do, certainly when I was out in those kind of areas, I would always fill up with petrol. It didn't matter how full the tank was, I would always fill up. So, um, yeah, I'll share one story on that. Actually, this was later in the trip when I was, um, going from Northern Territory into Queensland. So in the Northern Territory, and again, I don't know what the story is now, but it used to be no speed limit. So I would just sit at 130. But the problem with my fuel gauge on the motorbike was that it didn't register the top half of the tank. So the fuel gauge, in fact, effectively, was only fuel gauge on the bottom half of the tank. So I couldn't see how much fuel I was using until I was at the halfway point and below. So um, anyway, last day in Northern Territory, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go crazy here because it's legal. And if I get a chance, I'm just going to gun it and go for it. And there was a really strong headwind and I'd previously calculated I had plenty of fuel. And at the last roadhouse, I even took a picture. I think it was 230 k fuel stop. There was a warning sign anyway. And I'd filled up, but I absolutely went for it on the motorbike. And way before the point where I was expecting the gauge to show, I suddenly realized that my gauge was showing a drop in fuel. And um, I was just using the fuel way more than I'd expected. So yeah, that those last few k's particularly when i was down to zero <laughs> on my fuel gauge i was easing that bike i was gently going up hills coasting down easing up coasting down finally got to camelwell which is just inside the queensland border and the first stop on my left was a garage which actually was the, the roadhouse where i was staying funnily enough but because uh, it was just on the edge of town but it was a little motel type thing but i remember just coasting up the slope to the gauge on just on fumes really and being so thankful uh, because on, on each hill i went over and down i was thinking okay that's one less i've got to walk to or push the bike to uh, go get fuel so look i'm going to end part two there and um, i'll come back on part three and just share a few more stories um, hope you found it interesting. Hope you've enjoyed it. And um, I'll speak to you um, in uh, part three. So bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron and that starts 
at the price of a cup of coffee every month. You'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is some information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcasts and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now. 